The following is a midnight entertainment presentation. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. It's time to talk sci-fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror. It's time to talk movies, TV, books, and games. It's time to escape boring talk radio and journey through the wormhole into the geek universe. Surprise! This is a different kind of superhero story. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest you You become part of a bigger universe. Hold it, slow down. I'm feeling a little like an outsider here. You are! See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a geek. geek. Exactly. What you don't realize is it is hard (laughs) work making something this pretty look like a geek. So I must be doing it for a reason. Well, you got me convinced, whatever the reason may be. And now, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario. Your host for Geek Universe, Jimmy Elton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome back to Geek Universe with Jim Yelton. I am your host, Jim Yelton, and I am coming to you live on tape from Geek Headquarters with a special Christmas holiday episode of the show. Season 2 doesn't officially kick off until next month in January of 2017. We're going to a bi-weekly schedule. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring you lots more exciting live shows. We've got five more shows lined up at the St. Louis Science Center. We've got a number of convention appearances that we're going to be making uh, throughout the year. So hopefully 2017 will be even more exciting than 2016 was. This holiday-themed episode is actually one of our first Friday appearances from the St. Louis Science Center in 2016. We just recorded this last month at the November 1st Friday, which had The Walking Dead as a theme. So we were about three or four episodes into the new season. We had some great guests, and we had a lot of people in the audience that wanted to talk The Walking Dead. So it was a great hour returning to the St. Louis Science Center, and we decided to bring this to you as a special holiday episode, kind of in between seasons. We're we're not exactly officially kicking off season two yet, but this is our holiday episode to get you in the spirit and get you back in the swing of things here at Geek Universe. So without further ado, let's go back in time and time travel to about a month and a half ago to our first Friday appearance at the November first Friday at the St. Louis Science Center. Good evening, everyone. It's, it's my pleasure to welcome you to our Walking Dead First Friday. My name is Jenny, and I work here at the Science Center. And tonight, you're in for a real treat. As you heard, you're going to be part of a live taping of the Geek Universe podcast that is um, a syndicated radio talk show that focuses on fabulous, um, awesome, nerdy topics, um, sci-fi and fantasy and superheroes. And tonight's topic, The Walking Dead. Yeah. So tonight, Jim Yelton, who's the host, and some special guests are going to explore the world of The Walking Dead with you. And they're going to look at ways that this show is actually helping us all get ready for a real post-apocalyptic world. So please, let's make our host, Jim Yelton, welcome. Oh, good crowd, good crowd. I'm going to start the show the way I start every show if you've not heard the Geek Universe podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Geek Universe here live at the St. Louis Science Center. So the last time I was here, we were talking about Firefly, and that was really cool. Uh, And I talked about how much it meant to do a show here at the Science Center because I was born and raised in St. Louis and I love this place to death. And I'm glad that they had me come back tonight because if there's anything I love more than Joss Whedon, it's probably The Walking Dead. (laughs) Guys, can I call you guys in a non-gender specific way? Guys, let's talk about this show. Man. What is going on with Negan? <laughs> he did shut that down. He warned him, I guess. 
You know, I got to tell you, my wife and I love the show to death, and it's probably our all-time favorite show at this point. And it amazes me how much we talk about this show and how much it's making us really horrible people. <laughs> I mean, it does, because every time I watch the show, I'm just like, well, solve the problem, kill that person. <laughs> like, that's the easy way out. Just kill that person and you wouldn't have a problem anymore. But, you know, we'll sit around. I don't know if you guys do this, but we watch the show and we think about if we were in the show, what we would do and how we would react. And, like, we don't do that with any other show. Like, that doesn't work if you're a fan of, like, Friends. Like, you can't sit there and say, well, if I was at the coffee shop, this is what I would do. But you can totally watch The Walking Dead and say, what would I do if I was in this situation? And basically what I would do is kill everybody that I had a problem with. So <laughs> it makes it hard to interact with people in the real world when I'm becoming such a horrible person. <laughs> but we, we talk, I mean, my wife and I, we have no idea what we would do if there was a tornado or a flood or a fire. But when the zombie apocalypse happens, we know exactly what we're going to take out of the house, who we're going to take with us, which Home Depot we're going to go to so that we can rebuild civilization. I even know which one of my friends I'm going to shoot in the leg when we're running from the zombies so that I can get away. See, I, I tell that joke in other groups and somebody starts booing, but in a Walking Dead group, everybody's like, yep, totally know. I know that friend. Every group has that guy. I, I'm going to feel bad about it. I mean, it's not like we want to do it, but, I mean, I will shank Steve, and he's going to get left behind. You can tell Steve I said that, by the way, Trevor. Just warn him that he's the one. Every group's got a Steve. If it's not a Steve, it's a Becky. I mean, if, if you're female friends, it's a Becky. It, everything's not bad in the zombie apocalypse, though. I, I was thinking about this the other day. There are going to be some good things. There's going to be less people around. So less people to annoy me, and everybody's going to be automatically more attractive than they are now to the opposite sex. There's less competition, right? So if you're like a four now, you're going to be like a six in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> if you're like a five or a six, you're going to be like an eight. And if you're like an eight or a nine, you're going to get killed by the threes and the fours and the fives because we don't need that competition. I've already warned my wife, like, if Chris Hemsworth were to walk out of the woods, I'm going to shank him. I mean, it's just, he will not come back from our supply run when we go to town looking for supplies. It's, I don't need that in my life. So tonight's more about you than it is me. And I really want to bring up my guests so that we can spend some time answering your questions and kind of picking your brain about what it is about The Walking Dead that works for us and why we love the show so much. Um, I do want to mention my sponsor. I do have a sponsor for the show. Uh, it's a new sponsor. It's somebody that just came on board in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Abraham Salty Nuts are now sponsoring the show. It's Negan's favorite snack food, apparently. I don't know. Um, I think you can get it at your local Schnook stores and or Deerbergs, depending on where you shop. There's like 142 Schnook stores in the St. Louis area, so they've got to have them on the snack food aisle. Schnook's is the only place that I've ever been carted for root beer. True story. I got carted for root beer to Schnook's once. Enough about me, though. Let's bring up my guests for the night. First of all, whenever I do shows like this, I like having somebody that's... A, a fan of the show, to kind of give us the fan perspective. Uh, our super fan for the night is also somebody that works in the local filmmaking community. If you've ever seen or heard of Wicked Pixel Cinema, they make really great horror movies here in St. Louis, and he's been a part of it since the beginning, probably, right? Like, <laughs> we were all kind of there at the beginning. We, we saw the, the origins of it. Uh, super fan of The Walking Dead for the evening, Mr. Trevor Williams is here. My other two guests are two guys that I wanted to have on the show tonight to kind of guide me. Because like I said, 
I spent an awful lot of time talking about what we're going to do when the zombie apocalypse happens. Uh, these two guys are a part of the zombie squad. And they go around teaching people how to use the zombie apocalypse to help them prepare for real-world tragedy and, and apocalyptic events that could actually happen, unlike the zombie apocalypse. Although we were just talking, even though the thing downstairs said the zombie apocalypse is not going to happen, we all know it's going to happen. <laughs> Scientists are working feverishly to make sure that the zombie apocalypse happens at some point. So our two guests from the zombie squad, Kevin Hamill and Christian Sullivan. Have a seat, gentlemen. We should have color coordinated the microphones better. <laughs> okay, so we are going to open up the floor to questions. And I want to get anybody's opinions or comments or questions for us to answer about the show, and, and we'll get to you guys shortly. But um, first of all, since I have members of the Zombie Squad here, I need to know, what's the preferred weapon for me to kill a zombie? Well, uh, the one you're proficient in. I mean, honestly, <laughs> uh, it's the one that you know how to use. So for someone like... Christian, it might be a tomahawk, because Christian's a champion tomahawk-throwing uh, person. For you, it might be a baseball bat or a 22 long rifle, because that's a lot of cheap, plentiful ammunition. Or it might be um, a mine flail tank, which in my opinion is the ultimate zombie-killing weapon. Uh, but uh, those are hard to find outside of Britain. So, you know, it's really just the weapon that you're good with, um, the weapon that you know how to use, and... Uh, the one that's probably not going to break or, you know, go bad on you in the apocalypse. It's, it's the one you've had most practice with. Yeah. So in my daughter's case, and she's learning to drive now, it would be our car. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's the thing she yeah. seems to be able to hit things with the most. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, what was it about zombies? I mean, and obviously we're going to kind of go beyond The Walking Dead here a little bit. What was it about zombies that first attracted you guys and, and made you fans of the genre? Movies. Watching, sitting around and watching movies and looking at all the things that we could do better. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the exact foundation of Zombie Squad is a group of like four friends watching, I think it was 28 Days Later and going, everyone in this movie is an idiot, we could definitely do this better. And then going from there. Uh, Deep down, uh, in my opinion, the reason that we all really love zombies is the fact that um, they let us like indulge in our darker fantasies um, while still not feeling like we're monsters. They're like Nazis. If you can kill, like Nazis are the ultimate bad guys, so it's okay if you kill them. The same with zombies. It's like, well, my, my jerk neighbor tried to bite my face off. He's dead already, so I can cut his head off with a chainsaw. It's totally cool. <laughs> So it's okay that I have a list of people that I want to kill when they become zombies, right? As long as they became zombies not of your actions, then you're totally clear. They're already dead. Justin Bieber's in trouble. Right. Well, he's Canadian, so doesn't Jim's really accounting anybody that collects his taxes, anything like that from Jim. They're victims. <laughs> it's over. So if so, you owe Jim anything, run. Exactly. If you cross me, you're going on the list. That's all I can say. Uh, I do want to say one thing for you, though. Unfortunately, um, if... If Thor walks out of the woods, you are not going to get a chance to shank him because your wife is going to walk up behind you and put a knife between your ribs and whisper and whisper to you, I'm sorry, but he's gorgeous. My Only wife's going to listen to this. Don't give her ideas. <laughs> she didn't need me to give her that idea. Gosh, man, now you just blew everything. That's all I'm going to spend the rest of the night thinking about. So, Trevor, what was it for you? What, what, what is it about zombies that made you become a fan of, I mean, obviously zombie movies first, but then, you know, the, what is it about The Walking Dead and, and that portrayal of zombies that you like? Well, for one, um, anytime you watch a zombie film, it, it goes back to just the raw emotion of it. So I just like the fact that you can sit there and kill them and, and you can't be punished for it. So for me, I think it's fantastic. You can just go and mow them down and not have to worry about it. You know, I want to build my own, that brings up an interesting point too, I, I want to build my own concrete house. 
Somebody asked what type of house you'd live in, and I said concrete, giant concrete, and put it on stilts. <laughs> and then nothing can touch you, nothing can get in, have your own secret entrance in and out. I mean, what do you guys think? Would you build a concrete house? I'm, I'm partial to a bat cave. That would be good, too. It can have its own secret dungeon. Like a, a literal bat cave or like Bruce Wayne's bat cave? Yeah, with a, with a, a, a door that opens up and a boat that drives out into the water. Okay, there you go. Yeah, see, I'm with you there. Right, and, you know, put some blades on the front of it and mow them down. <laughs> I mean, they don't go in the water unless you sit there and watch Island of the Dead or something like that, and then they're, you know, walking underneath water on that Island of the Dead. I'm just going to surround my house with treadmills, just regular oh, house. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just run and power the thing. Yep. Turn them into power sources. They, they won't know what to do. Yeah, right. fine. Yeah. They'll just keep walking. Yeah, you just the walking, walking. They, they are walking. They just keep yeah. going. Yeah, you put a little meat on the front of that there, and they just let them walk, and they can power the house. Walking. It's fine. It's a renewable energy source. <laughs> that powers the back cave. <laughs> that might yeah. be the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. They are totally green. Yep. They're totally green. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, give them a minute or two in the Georgia sun. They'll right. turn green. It's a constant cycle, too. They're recyclable as your relatives yeah. die off. You just, you know, lay them out there and they're good to go. They'll help repower the ones that die off. Aunt, Aunt Agnes is just helping the family, you know? Yeah. Okay, I, I want to open things up to the audience a little bit. So if there's anybody that has a question, feel free to step up. Jenny is around here with the microphone somewhere. I, oh, we've got one over here. We've got one over here. Yes, we need you to wait for the microphone. We want everybody to hear your lovely singing voice. Oh, yeah, right. So what was your reaction to the hyperdrive zombies in World War Z? As okay, I'm going to let you guys sigh. answer. Cause... Sorry, my mic wasn't close enough to catch the, the long <laughs> sigh. Uh, I, I was disappointed in that film, I think mostly because I absolutely love the book. It's such a well-done book, and there's nothing in common with the book and the, and the film. Um, at the same time, I mean, they're, they're neat. I mean, if they had named it Brad Pitt Punches Zombies... I would have been absolutely fine with that film. And the zombies were kind of cool. Like, I, I like the hive-ish mentality of them. Um, I thought that uh, they handled them as poorly as everyone handles most zombies. Um, but at the same time, I think that really that my disappointment stems almost exclusively from how much it moved from the book. Brad Pitt's still dreamy, so it doesn't really <laughs> hurt that part. But, you know, whatever. Is my wife going to shank me for Brad Pitt, too? Assuredly. I would shank you for Brad Pitt, no offense. Uh, about, about other zombie movies, they, uh, they're likable to me because they seem survivable, but in World War Z, it just seems like a, almost an impossible situation to deal with. So it's, you know, I don't say it would be my favorite movie, but, you know, Did all the CGI bother you versus practical effects? I mean, it had its moments, but did the CGI just look too manufactured? It wasn't great. Um, I thought some of it was okay. Uh, it depended on how big, a, big they went. Like, I thought that the CGI at uh, the Jerusalem Wall looked really weird at times. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's also a giant pile of corpses climbing a 50-foot wall. So I'm not positive exactly what it's going to look like in the first place. So <laughs> right. I, I'm definitely a sucker for traditional effects. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So you're saying my my house with the giant cement wall, I'm in trouble then because if it's those kind of zombies, yeah. Right, because yeah, it's over. They just scale my wall. Yeah, just be all up in there. They'll they'll find your secret passage. Well, I like the bat cave idea then, so we're good to go. <laughs> well, in the the other thing about World War Z was. And I was thinking about this when I was coming in, that it seems like, you know, every once in a while you get somebody that, and this happens in all genres, it's not just specifically the zombie subgenre, but somebody will come along and they're like, okay, I'm going to do something that nobody else has ever done with this trope. And one of the things that I liked about it was there were certain parts of it where they did that, where we're going to do something that nobody's ever done with a zombie before. Like, the, you know, one of my favorite sequences in that movie is when they're on the plane, just because we had never seen a zombie outbreak on a plane before. And it happens very quickly, and you have to see everybody 
who's not turning into a zombie try and deal with it, and you know they're on a plane, and they're probably going to crash at some point if they don't deal with this. They would have done much better if they had Sam Jackson on the plane. I was just going to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Samuel L. Jackson makes everything better, so. Do we have any other questions? Um, Sorry. Uh, what country and what city would you hide in during a zombie apocalypse? And also, do you know the main elements of a civilization to have during a zombie apocalypse? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, um, you guys are the experts. So, <laughs> you know, in in terms of Missouri, there's there's a, a tall limestone cliffs. There's lots of caves here. There's places where you can survive underground. We don't have. We do have tornadoes, but we don't have hurricanes or typhoons or anything of that nature. We do have, have to deal with earthquakes and fire, but you know we're pretty centrally located. So from outside the United States, it would take quite some time to get here you know, if, you, if you didn't have modern conveniences. Well, and I think this begs the question, you know, in, in all zombie apocalypse situations, you know, I think it's common knowledge that being in a city is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to do that, but I also don't necessarily know that being like totally isolated and rural is the way to go either. And I, you know, when my wife and I talk about these situations, we always talk about, is there a need for a sense of community or do you need a group of people to be able to survive this versus can I just become Mad Max and wander the apocalyptic wasteland by myself? And is that the best way to go? Uh, Zombie Squad is is almost exclusively founded on the principle that community is better than the lone wolf. Uh, The lone wolf has to sleep at some point in time. And uh, if you actually look at wolves, the lone wolf is the guy who got kicked out of the pack and is on his own and is probably going to die. Like, that's a a bad wolf. Like, you want to be in a community. Um, And that's one of the things that Zombie Squad always strives to uh, teach people is, is community building. Know who your neighbors are, know your neighborhood, make sure that they're prepared as well. Because... Honestly, the place that I want to be in a zombie apocalypse is a place where I know people who also know how to survive, who want to bring community back, and uh, who can work to make sure that um, we can help the people around us and then start to help the people around them and move out from from there. Because I like flush toilets and air conditioning way too much for the apocalypse to last for very long. And, you know, I'll chime in here too, and I've actually thought about that, and I guess if there was a way to do it, if I were to pick a place, I'd say uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, <laughs> because the plane that comes in, I just shoot it down, and I quarantine it immediately. And you're, you know, my favorite movies, Escape from New York. So they take a, you know, wall and build it around the entire island. <laughs> so you just build a nice little wall because, you know, they're not. If nobody can get in to Hawaii, you're, you're a wall fan, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> and you know, nobody can get in. So unless zombies learn how to swim or walk, you know, hundreds, you know, thousands of miles, they're not going to get to Hawaii. You'll always run the risk of somebody getting in, but then you immediately just quarantine it and expel it out over the wall and you're good to go because what's safer than miles and miles of ocean around you? You have your toilets, you have your, uh, you know, your amenities. They've already learned how to live. You got your food supply, you got everything there, Hawaii. So I guess we know in a, a potential Trump administration that you're gonna be the walls are. Uh, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Not to say I go that direction, but yeah. But zombie apocalypse, wall, Hawaii. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, no. but you just you know, the Hawaiian Wall Nation. The Hawaiian Wall, yep. And uh, we'll just bring the uh, zombie guys in, and they can help us with build and survive, and just grow a family. And you got your own community there. It's called a set of islands. You're good to go. Any plane come in, shoot it down. Done. The the one thing that I've always had a problem with, you know, in both zombie movies and now with The Walking Dead, is that it seems to me just from, from a logic standpoint, that the, the best way to deal with a zombie apocalypse is to just try and survive as long as you can. Eventually, the zombie population is going to quote unquote die out. Like yeah. there, there's only so long that zombies can live. Yeah, no, The Walking Dead, like specifically, you can watch the zombies in The Walking Dead as, like, as the show goes on, they get more rotten, and fall apart more and more. Like in four more seasons, there aren't gonna be any functionally mobile, mobile zombies except for people who have immediately died. Because I don't, you, might not have, you may have never been to Georgia in the summer, but 
everything rots in Georgia in the summer in like four hours because it is the hot, sweaty nether regions of America. Um, so, you, yeah, you could, la you could last a zombie apocalypse out. Honestly, though, you don't need to last a zombie apocalypse out. You need to out-aggressive a zombie apocalypse. This is America, darn it. We have a thousand guns under every chair in this country. The zombie apocalypse of The Walking Dead. There are people in the audience looking under their chairs to see where their free guns are. Well, Thank you. why don't you have one? America. <laughs> anyway, the zombie apocalypse in America should have been a long weekend of weird target practice, honestly. Yeah. Every, every zombie in the zombie apocalypse of The Walking Dead is a slow-moving headshot. It is... Honestly, I'm surprised that we don't pan out at some point in time to find out that only Georgia is having this issue. And like Tennessee is like, man, is Georgia ever going to get their stuff together? Seriously, like zombies still? Like this is embarrassing. Like we're all embarrassed for you at this point. You, how many people here in the audience have, this is a dumb question that I'm about to ask in this audience, but how many people have seen the original Night of the Living Dead? Like the black and white Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Good job. My favorite character bar none in that movie, is the redneck sheriff that they keep showing during all of the news reports, because that guy had it figured out. Yeah. He's just like, yep, yeah, we're just going to go shoot some zombies, and we'll throw them on the fire, and you know, that's how you do it. Just Grab the guys in the overalls and bring them along for some fun, make a campfire. Yeah. Yep. yeah, Bubba ain't going to have no problem nope. with that whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. He, he does it anyway on a Friday night when he's drunk, yeah. shooting things, might as well stick some zombies next to a tree. So, and, and you guys bring up a good point, and you know, the, the redneck sheriff in Night of the Living Dead, I mean, not the stereotype, but if you wanna live someplace, like live in the South, <laughs> in, in the rural South, because that's where it's gonna get taken care of first. Well, I think but, Chicago and Detroit will do just fine themselves. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as it gets cold, everything's gonna just slow down and stop. Stay. Around yeah, Christmas, you could take the sleigh out with the kids and the pickaxe, yeah, finding frozen zombies. It'd be a family, a family affair. It'd be fun. Well, that's what you we'll have write to do. You have to we'll write kids carols early. About it. Yeah, get them in. Get them in early. And you just teach grandma. Well, if grandma passes away nearby, you make sure you kill her. All right. Uh, she was first, and then we'll come back to you guys. What is your favorite zombie universe? Because the laws change from book or movie. I mean, I even think about iZombie. That's just a new take on something. I just find it fun. But what's your favorite uh, zombie universe? I know, I know which one mine is, personally. Uh, Romero. A, uh, mine's Dead Snow. <laughs> <laughs> Parcel to it, but... Uh, and why, why is that again for people who don't know? If, if, if you've never seen Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2, um, Dead Snow is about Nazi zombies. Um, the most evil of all the zombies. <laughs> uh, and Dead Snow 2 is about Nazi zombies versus zombie squad and Russian zombies. So, and they use a tank to kill one. It's pretty awesome. Uh, they're semi-intelligent zombies. They're Nazis. It's just great. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the thing I like. They're not terribly terrifying, but at the same time, they're slightly more vigorous, shall we say, than the Romero zombies. And again, they're Nazis. Like, that's like a double, you get into heaven twice for killing those guys, man. <laughs> Trev, what's your um, go-to I'm, I'm stuck. Universe? I mean, I'm, I'm stuck in Walking Dead, but it, it still reminds me of, you know, watching Night of the Living Dead when I was a kid. But, you know, we have a, a common friend that likes Return of the Living Dead for the corniness. <laughs> so... I, I'm corny like that, and I can tell you anytime those are on TV, as bad as they are, I love them because they're ridiculously cheesy, but yet the, the effects in them are so fantastic. Like, they didn't chintz out on the effects, but they went total cheese for all the, the characters. And for me, as you know, I like humor like that, so I think it's great that, you know, there's a naked man that's just jumped out of a, a barrel of toxic waste running around and everybody's going, what do we do with him? What do we do with him? And he's just a naked man running around. So for me, I just think that's the most ridiculous scenario. It's like, well, why don't you leave the room? Get out of the room. But they just, they just watch this naked man run around screaming out of toxic waste. So. I'm, not, I'm not positive I could leave. 
Uh, you, I mean, you know, that's a thing you'd want to at least take a video of. Yeah, <laughs> at least at least for the first five minutes. You know, it's fun for that, and then after it gets annoying, you know, when Bert starts screaming, I don't know what to do. So you know, fair enough. But the cheesy fact. But I'm still, you know, core Walking Dead. I think that's captured the essence. And as you said at the very beginning of the show, it brings you in as if you were those characters. So for me. That's really hard to top. I don't know about you guys, but if it feels like I'm inside that TV screen, that's really what sets it apart. And I don't think you really get that from Romero. You did as a kid, but the way this show is written, I still have to put Walking Dead up top. Well, the, the thing, yeah, because the thing for me Easily. that kind of puts The Walking Dead above anything else is because it's a TV series and because it's been on now, this is the seventh season, you get to know the characters more. And you get to know the world a little bit more. If, and I've talked to my screenwriting classes about this, where a, a good movie will give you some insight into characters, but you can't really go deep. You can't really get to know somebody and really care about them. And that's why the Walking Dead is resonating so much with people because we're starting to love these characters and because of the world that they're in, we know they're gonna die eventually. <laughs> it's just a matter of when. And it's like denial too. You, you, you know they are, you refuse to believe they are, but you know they are because you know that's the way it would really happen is you're, you'd sit there and watch your family, you know, it inevitably leave you and then have to turn and that's the hardest thing to let go of is that emotion that we're all walking dead you know Which, we're all going to be that I, so. I apologize for this and, and I'm sorry but I got so caught up in the opening of the show and I was so excited to talk about the walking dead that I, I was not prepared to do the show yet hold on just a second I know. Get ready. If he's decaying Boom, underneath this room. Wow, wow. Yeah, we I told my wife I was wearing my shirt tonight. So. <laughs> no. Okay, so Daryl hasn't died, but if he dies, we riot. No, you won't. They broke you last that, that with that first episode. They of didn't. This season. I'm not broken. You people are broken. I know inside. what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill Negan. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> have you guys? If you haven't gone online, have you seen the crazy woman reaction video? Go online and just do a YouTube search: crazy woman, Walking Dead reaction. This woman has a nervous <laughs> breakdown watching the season premiere of Walking Dead, and. It's not safe for work. And if you have small children, you might want to send them to grandma's house while you're watching this. You get them far away from this because she lets about every word in the English language fly and she is not happy with Negan at this point. Just as a quick preview, this is about 10 seconds of my impression of her. Oh, Negan, Rick's gonna kill you! I hate you, Negan, I hate, not, oh, Daryl, no! And that was just at the beginning, like that didn't even, I mean, there's a 25 minute long reaction video of her watching this episode that's hysterical. I don't they, know why people are so mad at Negan. He's the first hero I've seen in the show. He's the only one that's <laughs> smart. May we talk about the books, Walking Dead books? We may. Let's see why not. So, with spoilers? This Spoil whole, this whole show is spoilers. Like, okay, okay. So, the most recent book, uh, Negan has killed Alpha of the Whispers. So, to me, Negan is still such an enigma. I know he's very similar to Rick, but what do you think is, is next up for this character? Because he's still alive and he's escaped. So is anyone else on the panel of com the comic reader for The Walking Dead or, and up to date? No, I am not completely up to date. So I'm probably the only person. That's right. So thank okay, you for cool. spoiling it. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, I am up to date um, and in my opinion, I think that 
the comic is doing a mild redemption arc for Negan um, in that they're trying to make him slightly less of a monster. Um, maybe? But I honestly think that you're never going to see Negan the, the saint. You're always going to see Negan the anti-hero at best. But at the same time, Negan is just a more competent Rick, in my opinion. Like, he's a more competent, better Rick. And while that might mean he's kind of an evil monster in The Walking Dead world, he's still, in his world, a good leader, like, when it comes down to it. And you can see, you can see that even in the show now. Like, if you watch the sixth season from Negan's perspective, all of our heroes are villains. They have done nothing but antagonize and kill his people. And in that kind of society, Negan, to be a strong leader, has to retaliate. And he's done a pretty good job of it. I mean, he's better at that stuff than Rick is. He broke Rick's brain, pretty much. And... He has less to lose, though, too. Hmm? I feel like he has less to lose. That Negan has less to lose? Yeah, he does, um, emotionally. Um, he doesn't have a kid, and, um, and all. But... I think that that's, that's kind of what is in his favor, you know? Like, he's a leader, but he's not emotionally tied to anything around him, which I think still continues to make him an effective leader. Right, and I think also, too, is, you know, he alluded to that, even in the show part, but really his whole character, he's not naive. Yeah. You know, he has it all figured out. Just like you said, he's, he's Rick without being naive, and he's got... A, no child to go ahead and lose, no family, um, just his own existence to continue on and do what he does. And he even alluded to that in the show when he says, you guys thought you had it all figured out and you don't have anything figured out. Well, he, he seems to me like the kind of villain that's you know three steps ahead of the hero all the time. And the, the frustrating thing for me watching the end of last season and the beginning of this season is it's not so much that Rick's broken, although that's I think sad. <laughs> I mean, he is, and, and it's a, I mean, it's a fact, but that nobody, while all this was unfolding, thought to themselves, this guy's really smart. We need to stop for a second and try and, and either go back to Alexandria or we need to, to do something that he's not expecting us to do. And they tried to do that too late, and they were already boxed in, and they didn't see it. And I think that's the sad part of where the group is now. Uh, we were talking before the show started that my wife said, going into uh, last, the end of last season, beginning of this season, that it was going to be tough to hate Negan because they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan, <laughs> who we all love. Yeah. And, I mean... To me, she, she says, well, that's Sam and Dean Winchester's dad. I can't hate him. And, and I said, that's the comedian. I can't hate him. He's my favorite Watchmen character. But he's just so charismatic that he brings that to it. And yet, I also think that as an actor, he understands, like, the key thing for every actor is when you're playing a villain, the villain's not a villain in his head. The villain's the hero. Like, everything he's doing, he's the hero of his own story. And he gets that perfectly. And the writers get that. That, Like you said, he's just a better Rick. And, you know, my wife said that at the end of the season premiere. She's like, well, he's just smarter than Rick. And I said, yeah, he's Shane if Shane had lived. He really is. And, like, we're seeing what would have happened to their group had Shane lived, I think. And been, and been more evolved. I mean, he really has it figured out. Spoiler alert for everybody that doesn't know, Shane died. <laughs> like Shane's death in the comic better, personally. <laughs> uh, do we have any other questions? We got some questions in the back. Was, there's one right there. We'll get, let's get this one first, Jenny, and then we'll go in the back. So you said your favorite parts of like zombie films and movies and books are like just killing the zombies, but seems like in The Walking Dead we're kind of going away from that and we're less fearful of the zombies and more fearful of the people around us. 
What do you think of that twist? And do you think that's kind of something we're losing in the zombies? You're not going to have that like fulfillment anymore because we're not going to spend most of the time kicking ass, killing zombies. It's not, they're we're running be out of zombies. That's what I yeah, said. So, <laughs> they have no zombies left. What do you think left? about that turn to the show? Like, do you think it's going to hurt your? What do you guys think? Life? I have an opinion about this, but what do you guys think? Uh, I think that The Walking Dead is going to get more dour as time goes by until it's just um, one long hour-long shot of uh, Rick Grimes falling into the camera. Um, and that's just going to be the that. end of it. Um, and I think that, that it's gotten that way because they keep focusing on horrible people doing horrible things to each other. And I can watch Game of Thrones if I want to see that, honestly. Uh, I, think that it, I think it's a bad move for them to move away from killing zombies because that's the fun part of the zombie apocalypse. And I don't think you can have both an intricate character study of the descent of mankind and the madness in the apocalypse and uh, the wacky Mad Max style apocalypse of killing zombies at the same time because that's a mildly clashing. And I think they decided to choose the one that I didn't want to like enjoy as much. So. When, when you said the fun part, I just imagined you guys at the zombie squad meeting saying, we just can't wait. We can't wait because we get to kill zombies. Man, uh, the zombie apocalypse is not going to last long because we're really well prepared, but it's going to be really fun whenever it happens, if it does. <laughs> That's why I have a list, because I want to enjoy it. Christian, what do you think? Is, is the, the move towards more human villains and, and antagonists. Well, killing zombies has, has been done for years and years and years. So my, my guess is that they're, they're trying a different angle. So I'm not real happy with it either, but that's probably the way it, it needed to go to well, keep the, people's interests. The, the thing, early in the series, like they would, every once in a while, they'd run across some small pockets of people or, you know, four or five guys would come out of the woodwork that were bad guys and they'd have to deal with them. And, you know, Terminus and Woodbury were, you know, communities that had formed. And in each of those cases, it's, it's almost like with Negan where, you know, yeah, I'm gonna say that you can kind of see the perspective of cannibals, but, you know, in both of those cases with Woodbury and Terminus and now with Negan a third time where there's groups of people that have just figured out a way that works good for them to survive. And you can't really fault them for that, considering the fact that the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. And then our heroes just wander in and screw everything up for them. Right, because over they can't stay in again. one place for too long. They screw it up, and then they got to go find someplace else to screw up. We're good guys. We're here. Two hours later, the town's on fire, zombies are everywhere, and our heroes move on. Trevor, what do you think? Well, is, I'm is wondering it, what kind of formula you can have that won't get stale and old. And, and I mean, as much as I like, you know, the episode last week where you see the frontal of the zombie's face getting slid off and sliced off. Was I do want to see that <laughs> in every episode. And that's part of the reason I absolutely love the fact that Nick Otero's involved in this because every season he's said on public record that he likes to change it up. So, you know, you had your Terminus flaming zombies. You had your melting in the sun Georgia zombies in Alexandria, you know, tearing half their body off at the, the bus, you know. And it makes you wonder, you know, if you really break it down into the basic function of everything, you have zombies, you have killing zombies, and you have human drama, and then you have the bad non people like Negan, you know, like uh, the Whispers, that are going to do that. You don't have much else to play with. You can't, what other element could you do? Sharks and laser beams, you know, and start sticking would, Austin Powers would, in there? I would I mean, watch that. You know, I, I probably would too. <laughs> season, I season, 10. season 10. You know, Dr. Evil coming from, you know, the moon. I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to be crazy and put him in space. You're not going to do anything stupid like that. So really the only thing going for it is the human drama of it. And you can only invoke so many things. So it's going to get, which I always question, I believe, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that they said they already have thought up in their mind, was it 10 or 12 seasons? Something like that. They already have it thought up well, where they're going. And I'm and, wondering, what did they think up? And I know Kirkman has gone on record as saying that 
that he's told the producers and the writing staff the ending of the show is not going to be the ending of the comic. It won't be the comic. Because he didn't want to have the Game of Thrones situation come up where right. if the show's still going on and I want to end the comic, that it's going to end the same, or vice versa. If the show ends and I'm not ready to finish the comic yet, the show's just going to end the way it's going to end, and I'm going to do the comic the way I always envisioned it. So they're already on this road where the two have kind of diverged enough to where they can do anything on the series and, and just take and cherry pick the high points from the comic that, that would work dramatically for the show. And, and I think that's what's cool about it at yeah. this point is when somebody asks a question like, you know, are you guys caught up with the books or anything? It doesn't matter. Like, you can't spoil it for me by telling me what's happening in the comic because I don't know if that's gonna happen on the show and it's changed so much from the comic already. Right. So, Spoiler alert, Glenn died. <laughs> what? Spoiler alert, Glenn died. When? In the comic, like a okay. long time ago. Okay, how'd he die? Same way, eyeball pop, via eyeball no, pop. I know, I know. Shark with a laser. I beam. loved it. My wife, the whole, the whole time after the episode, she's like, why did they have to show it like that? Because that's what happened in the comic, and you kind of needed that. You I mean, know, while we're on that subject, do you think they crossed the line on that? Well, and I was going to ask you guys that before we went back to the audience, because... I mean, uh, you guys? There was... Uh, originally, I was going to have another guest join us tonight, and they said that they could not because they were not watching the show any longer. Because it had become too violent. And I've read all of these reviews since the series premiere about how it crossed a line. And the best one by far, and I meant to print it out so I could read it verbatim, but I can't, but the Detroit Free Press had a column by somebody that said that they actually called up the FCC because they wanted to know how the FCC could allow something like that to air on television, and the FCC said, isn't that a show on cable? <laughs> and the, the woman said, yes it is, it's on AMC, and the FCC person said, we don't regulate cable, cable's unregulated. We regulate broadcast, and even if we did, I'm pretty sure that they rated it TVMA, and in and out of every commercial break had a very explicit warning saying, this is graphic content, do not watch it if you have a problem with it. And so, for me, as an adult who can make his own choices, I'm cool with that, because I feel like if it crosses a line for me personally, I'll probably make that decision to not watch. I don't think it did, because I'm also a writer, and from a writer's standpoint, the audience needed to see that. And sometimes you have to make a creative choice based on what the audience needs, not what they want. And you may not have wanted to watch it, but you needed it, so that you could be just as broken as Rick Grimes. <laughs> What do you guys think? Did they cross a line? Uh, well, I, I want to ask you guys something. I, is anybody here not caught up, first off? Has anybody not seen everything? I would imagine you all have. So, spoiler alert, sorry. Yeah, so, so we saw the scene with Glenn laying there, eyeball and all, moving his hand. Did that, which was probably the top gore and effect-wise scene, did that bother you more, or did the scene where Glenn's sitting there with his eye popped out and he looked and actually said, Maggie, I will find you. Did that bother you more or did Glenn's twitchy hand with the effects bother you? No, I, I think everybody... It was the fact that he was talking Yeah, and to I, Maggie. I think that's what it was for a lot that of people. That is what made me think of that over and over and over. And so much that, you know, the movie we shot, you know, that's not out yet, we have a scene that's almost exactly like that. And I did the... Robert Kirkman's going to sue you guys. Yeah, he probably will. <laughs> I mean, literally, it, it almost looks pretty much the same brutal way. And I did the effects for that, and I filmed the behind the scenes for that, and I was on set for camera. None of that bothered me. But when Glenn looked at that looked at her and just blood running down his face and his eye popping out. To me, that's what resonated. And when people said they crossed the line, they didn't have to do that. 
that ripped my heart out of, of my chest and made me think, oh my gosh, what, what's going on here? She is, he's trying to give his last gasp. And I actually think, what do you guys, I mean, who read the comic? Do you think it was better in the comic where he just said Maggie? Or do you approve of the fact that he actually said the line when she burned his picture? Did you guys know that? When she burned his picture, she says, you won't need this anymore because I will always find you. And I went, oh, that's why that sounded familiar. Yep. To me, that's really where they had me. And I went to bed thinking, I want to cry. Yeah. I was okay. just tormented. So, and, and I totally get where Trevor's coming from because I, I think Trevor and I are thinking about this from a creative standpoint and, and getting the maximum effect with an audience. You guys are coming at this from a fan perspective. Did they cross a line in I, your mind? I didn't think they crossed the line. Uh, it was definitely heart-wrenching. Um, I think the sound, like just the, actually I was more, I had more issues with the sound of him having what was essentially a brain aneurysm behind Negan mm -hmm. while Negan chatted away. Like that, those last dying brain gasps essentially, yeah. were, that sound design was really well done and I think that that really tugged at the heartstrings. Um, I honestly thought it was, because I ended up, I didn't get to see the season six finale until just before season seven, which meant that there was this really weird tonal swing for me with Negan because he had just used the term, in my mind, pee-pee pants, like an hour prior to doing that. Yeah. And for me, it was this really weird tonal shift from like just, that's kind of a funny thing for the villain to say. I like him. And then, um, then you have Glenn like, like flopping on the ground like a fish. And I was like, this is really, this is really messed up in my head for that reason. And it's supposed reason. to be. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's, we didn't sign on, we didn't sign on to watch The Walking Dead for puppies and kittens. Well, and here's what bothers me about all the people that are upset. Because if you guys think back to the end of last season, when they didn't show us who died, you just got the, the lead up and then it switched to the, the victim's point of view and you saw the baseball bat hit and fade out and then you heard some stuff, end of the show. Everybody lost their minds. How dare they not show us who did <laughs> Okay, and, and you spent the entire summer upset and thinking, I just want to know who got hit in the head with this barbed wire wrapped baseball bat. That's all I want. Just show it to me. And then they showed it to you and we lost our minds again and said, how could they have shown us that? <laughs> why would they show us that? Because you spent the entire summer complaining about it. That's why. It's almost as if this Emmy award winning show about horror and manipulating our minds is really good at horrifying and manipulating us. <laughs> right, right. I, mean, I am personally shocked. It just, it kind of cracked me up that people kind of went off the deep end saying that they crossed a line. You're watching a show about zombies right. and the end of the world. It's, it's never been rainbows and puppy dogs. Not from day one. Rick killed a little girl in the right. first episode that was a zombie. <laughs> and as my wife pointed out, it was traumatic, but... There have been equally traumatic things that have happened on that show. We just choose to forget about them because we've moved on. We turn them into memes. Right. Coral. The, Coral. The, the one that's disturbed my wife for the longest is when Noah died. That was a hard, that was a that hard was, death, too. That was rough right. from, from a, a visceral standpoint. And the, the problem, I think, is that we're not as attached to a Noah. Everybody loved Noah. Yeah, but we everybody didn't. was like, oh, everybody loves Chris is going to die. And, and we were sad to see him go, but this was Glenn. And that's, that's why it bothered everybody. They didn't cross a line because I got news for you. I wear the shirt or my wife wears the shirt every Sunday when we watch the show. <laughs> I know at some point they're going to kill off Daryl. It's just going to happen. I know it is. And so 
when it happens, I'm going to be really upset, and I, I will know. probably cry like I don't a little know. baby. He's, pre- he's pretty dreamy. They might keep him around. That that brings up a good interesting point, Jim. And I I actually thought about this because you know you always hear if Daryl dies we riot. Is there a possible way he could go out with a bang and have you not be ticked off? Oh, absolutely. Like like what would it be? Would it be him taking out Negan? Would it be him being the one of the last things that does something that solves the issue of all of this? I mean, is would it take that much, you think, before and fans I think would either give up? Because, I mean, you know there's millions of fans that literally will turn off the TV and not watch it again. Yeah, but I, I think that's why some of these deaths hurt us more than others, because some of them happen with the character having more or less a, a heroic ending. And they, they still turn into a zombie and, and still have to be you know, taken out in zombie form, but they still get a, a good death. And, and this was not a good death. I, we've got just a couple of minutes, so I know we've got somebody in the back that's been wanting to ask a question for a while, and then we'll get this one up in the middle and we'll wrap things up. How important do you think it was having a major character from the pilot dying after not having a major character die in the last few seasons? I mean, we were just talking about it, but. It was really important because it's been a while since somebody from the Atlanta, the original Atlanta groups died. Yeah. It, it had to happen so we could move on. Right. Yeah. I think that otherwise, every time we got introduced to a new character, we'd be like, oh, this is the person who's going to die this season. Yep, they're going to oh, make it five episodes. Congratulations. Toast. We, have the, we have the new gadfly for the season. <laughs> so now, now you don't know who's going to die next. Well, and that's be, always... anybody. That's always the creative <laughs> thing is that you kill somebody off so that the audience is kind of discombobulated and doesn't know, okay, well, if they're going to kill that guy, then they'll kill anybody. And Carol. You know, they're not going to kill Carol. They're not going to kill Carol? nothing can kill I'm, Carol. I'm a Carol person. I don't know about anybody else. I love, I love Carol. They call her Carol. Carol is the Terminator. Yeah. She's going to finish this. Carol. She's going to finish all the zombies off at the end. How many people have not seen this last episode? Oh, go home. Oh, and yeah. You guys are in for such a treat. <laughs> and there's oh, a lot of character so development in this one, too, but you, Carol breaks your shell down a little bit, and guys, I won't ruin it for you, but it's fantastic. You need to go home and watch it. Guys, can I just tell you, if you don't know, there's a dude walking around with a tiger. <laughs> the only man who could win Carol's heart. I have been excited <laughs> about that yeah. darn tiger for six months. And I was so happy. And my wife at the end of the episode said, you have a smile on your face. And I said, I think that's the first time in like three years of watching the show that I've had a smile on my face. And it's all because there's a tiger walking around. And really, they said that they didn't know how they were going to do the challenge of that CGI-wise, but they pulled it off. Oh, it was was awesome. I I mean, they showed the puppet head that they used for that, and I'm like, where's the rest of the body? I I thought they were going to sneak a dog in there and put a green screen thing over him. No, they did the entire body. It looks like CGI or used footage, which it's amazing. I will tell you, at the end of the episode, my wife goes, I don't know about you, but that tiger looked a little bit off. And I said... How much experience do you have right. looking at tigers up close like that? Yeah, like, well, your wife spends a lot of time with tigers you don't know about. She does. She's, she has her own life. Just <laughs> on the internet looking at tigers, I guess. I'll All right. We've got one more and then the one in the middle. Um, I first read the graphic novel before the series came out. And when I read it, I really thought the graphic novel was more about the human condition than actually killing zombies. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, it is. With the way the show's moving. Yeah, the show, is that the and that's why I now? think they're, they're getting to the point where, as we've discussed, the quote-unquote zombie population is going to naturally start getting smaller, and it's always been about people surviving something like this, and can you do it without losing your humanity? And I think that's the thing I keep telling my wife is that I, I'm really afraid that the longer it goes on, the harder that's going to be for these people. And it kind of gets back to something that you guys and all the Zombie Squad members talk about. I mean, when you talk about that need for fellowship and community and, and holding on to that, really, and is, is that one of the reasons why it's so important to you guys? Because you know that it's going to be hard under those circumstances? Well, yeah. And also... Humanity has faced extinction a few times 
and we haven't turned back into animals any of those times because we're all sitting here right now. Wait until election day. The black. <laughs> you know what? And that's the thing. Right now, we're all cho- we're all choking each other about the election, right? America literally had a war with itself, like where we killed each other with cannons and stuff. And you know what? After that was over with, we went back to living in America. At one point in time, Mongols killed like most of Europe and stacked their skulls and pyramids as high as this building. Guess what? The Renaissance happened. The Black Death, again, killed a huge chunk of Europe. We still have civilization. Mankind is surprisingly social, surprisingly good at working with each other, and surprisingly not batshit insane. It's the reason we're the dominant species on the planet. And it's the reason that we climb down out of the trees and we're capable of doing stuff. Like, we're good at working as a team. We're a social animal. And I think that, I think that's one of the things that I find frustrating with The Walking Dead is that all it shows is the, the, the id of, of humanity. It shows the dark side of humanity, which is fine. It's a, it makes things entertaining. But at the same time, there are, there are plenty of times we've seen in humanity where things have gone absolutely horribly, and it doesn't turn people into monsters. It turns them into heroes. I mean, you can just look at Hurricane, you know, the Hurricane Sandy or Hurricane Katrina. There was bad stuff that happened, but a lot of people did good there, you know? We're going into overtime here, so we're going to get one more question, and then we'll wrap things up. This isn't really a question so much as a comment when you've discussed the killing of Glenn and how people are saying that they crossed the line. For me, I don't watch The Walking Dead because I like to see them kill zombies. And I watch it because the world we live in is so awful. And 2016 has been a horrible year. The atrocities overseas and shootings in our streets and all the things that you see on the news. I watch The Walking Dead because it's like you get to see people in way worse conditions than yours and they're doing all right, and they've got community, and they've got each other, and they rise above, and it's the resiliency that makes me watch it. That's why I like to watch it, and that's where I think they did cross the line. I understand that they did want us to be broken. I don't watch the show to be broken, though. Like, the world does that to me already, and I think it does that to a lot of people. That's not why I watch TV, and that's where I was like, I don't think that they understand why people watch the show, and maybe misread their audience in a way. We don't, we go to escape, and breaking your audience isn't what they came here for. But you have to be broken so that when you rise up, that rising is so much better. And one of the things that I preach to my writing students is you can't ever be too cruel to your characters because the moment you let up, then you're making it easy for the audience. And you really have to make it hard for the hero You have to break them down to where they have nothing left so that that eventual rise and and success at the end is that much sweeter. And if they hadn't done all the stuff that they did to Rick in this season premiere, it wouldn't have meant as much. Yeah, I think think it it was due to the character development to prevent it from getting stale. And your argument is totally valid because I know originally... The episode that some of you have not seen was supposed to be, I believe, season uh, episode three. They changed it to two. So when you go back and watch it, you'll see that they give you exactly what you want. They give you that. They didn't beat you up two episodes in a row and let you see that. So as much as they take away from it, they give you something back too. And I think that's also what keeps you angry, but also keeps you coming back to the candy machine. And, and I think that that's really, for me, that's that is, what's important. That is, a text, that is a textbook abusive relationship. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, yes. it is. That but, is every relationship know, a creator has. That's what an addiction has. is, right? That's why we're here. So. But, but yeah, you're right, because even though the, the Rick's group, going back to Alexandria, they don't know it yet. But you're exactly right. That's why this last episode was the second one, not the third one. Poor Heath. Because Who's going to tell Heath? They, they, they needed to show the audience. There's a guy with a frickin' tiger out there. And he has, like, dudes on horseback that think that they're knights. This is not over. 
Rick might be broken, but he doesn't know about the tiger. Once he knows about the tiger, he'll be on board with the rest of us and he'll be okay. So just give him time. I think that is the perfect way to end the show. Uh, Guys, tell everybody how they can find out more about the Zombie Squad and, and what you guys do. Check us out on Facebook. Look for the St. Louis chapter, uh, zombiehunters.org. Look for us there. Um, we've we have, got some information up here if you want to come up after the thing and, and get some stuff. Uh, we have an open meeting once a month on the third Sunday of the month at the Shrewsbury Bowling Alley at 6.30, um, which means you have plenty of time to get back and watch The Walking Dead or any other popular television shows on Sunday. Also, uh, we really want to throw out the most important event for us, which is uh, we have a blood drive coming up with the Red Cross on November 13th from 11 to 4 at the YMCA at Sublet in South City. Uh, we provide free barbecue for anybody who comes and even attempts to donate, uh, and it gives you a good opportunity to come and talk to our members while you're there. So please come donate, because otherwise my boss will yell at me. And Trevor, all of the movies that you've worked on are all available? Are uh, wickedpixel.com. It's all um, independent horror from St. Louis, usually shot in St. Louis or around Missouri. So. We've been doing it for years. They do really good work. It's good stuff. Good for stuff. the budget we have, we do really good work, I think. Trevor, Kevin, Christian, thank you guys for being a part of the show. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying our live show from the St. Louis Science Center's First Friday event, Geek Universe will be returning for five more First Fridays in 2017. Jim will be hosting Geek Universe live at events themed around Sherlock Holmes, The Hunger Games, Mystery Science Theater 3000, DC vs. Marvel, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Find out more about the St. Louis Science Center and First Fridays at slsc.org. You've been listening to another exciting episode of Geek Universe with Jimmy Elton. Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and theme merchandise including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at GeekUniverseShow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at Facebook.com slash 30 Minutes of Geek, or on Twitter using the Twitter handle, at 30 Minutes of Geek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment LLC. This episode is copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Well kids, that's all you get! That's it! Read a book!